And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard, a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network and the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome to the show. And we are back. While we were gone, we had a lot of new followers on Podbean, and I really didn't pay a lot of attention to that until I got back. But here is a list, and if I missed out anybody, please let me know. So big shout-outs to... Ejo Stevens 80, Mr. Makarich, Sutara, Bloodwolf Hroker, OSU Billy G29, L Hoagland 13, Sefan, and Ryan Andrew 300. Thanks for following us over on Podbean. And uh, yeah, welcome aboard and hope you all stick around. And of course, if you have anything to say, you know, hey, shoot us an email. The email address, of course, is RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group and find us there. All right. So as I mentioned last time, I'm kind of trying to get a few of these shows in the can before I start the stream up. Now, as I speak, it is July 4th weekend. So, you know, you're about three weeks out from where where we should be. So I I hope that everybody in the U.S. had a very nice 4th of July weekend. Uh, Being unemployed at the moment, uh, you know, it's kind of like, well, okay, yeah, it's just another day to me. So uh, here I am recording a show on the 4th of July. That's sad, isn't it? Anyway, so we are going to go ahead and continue on where we left off last week. Uh, we had, I think we have a couple more issues here in the story here from Thor Volume 2 before moving on to something else. But here we go with our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. This week we are looking at Thor Volume 2, number 23, a.k.a. Thor number 525. Has a cover date of May of 2000. Cover art is by J.R. Jr., inked by Claus Johnson. Shows Thor, the recorder, and some on-fire guy who we find out uh, inside the issue is actually... Fire Lord, who is the former Herald of Galactus, though doesn't look like any version of Fire Lord that we've seen before, at least not that I've seen before. And they are flying towards the reader through a vast um, expanse of Kirby space. And it's kind of ugly, I have to say. It's not the best work from J.R. Jr., I must say. Uh, And we open up to the splash page where we have... The universe trembling, every life, every planet, every lost, forgotten corner of existence faces the greatest peril ever, death. Sweeping, inescapable, malevolent death. Once as a herald of Galactus, I was the harbinger of such a fate, says this uh, comet-looking dude. Now as I strive to prevent it, I fear the means may not exist. I am Fire Lord, 
and I cannot help but fear the eternal nothingness looming over us all. And uh, yeah, we see Fire Lord, and he just is the sort of fiery comet-looking guy. I can see that they they tried very hard to keep him as a fire being, but they also had to differentiate his design from the Human Torch. I'm not really sure why they felt they had to change his appearance so dramatically from the way he appeared back in the old '70s comics, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming it's something, you know, a 90s, extreme 90s kind of makeover uh, like they did with uh, Mephisto. We talked about that um, a few episodes ago before I went on break. But um, so he's uh, got a double page spread here of him blasting through space. And instead of the, uh, you know, he used to have this long, long staff sort of thing with a fire on each end. And now he's carrying what look like fire barbells. So he's got one of these in each hand and they've got it's a stick with a big blob of fire on both sides. So they really do look like he's he's lifting barbells, <laughs> which I guess is why he's still so muscular, you know, because carrying barbells everywhere. Uh, the credits are here. Also, Dan Jurgens was the writer. John Yermita was the penciler. Dick Giordano was the inker. Interesting. Yeah, this is not long before uh, Giordano died, was it? Gregory Wright was the colorist. R.S. and Comic Crafts. Wes Abbott was the letterer. Tom Brevoort was the editor. And Bob Harris was the editor-in-chief. And uh, he's streaking towards uh, some planet or another. Not sure if it's Earth. Well, anyway, we'll find out. There is but one hope. Those whose perceptions reach beyond the limits of time and space, whose sense of awareness borders on infinity, have sent me to this distant battleground. And we see ruined buildings and shit, and he's flying over. Our hopes rest on the fiery spirit of a warrior born, an alley who might become savior to us all. His mettle is beyond question, his courage beyond compare, his spirit beyond measure. His is the mantle of godhood, and he wields it as no other. And uh, we see that he's come for Thor, and Thor is fighting against this big giant rock thing, and we've got a most most page splash here of Thor hammering on this thing with his hammer. Thor, god of thunder, would speak with thy master, guardian of stone. Stand thee aside, lest mighty Mjolnir shatter thee beyond recognition. And strikes him with a bracam. And the Fire Lord sees the recorder and lands next to him. Recorder, I offer you both my assistance. Observation, the guardian of the Millennium Monarch appears formidable, Fire Lord. Opinion, but the power of Thor is superior. And we go back to the fight, and they're blasting back and forth. The rock guy is blasting rays out of his face. Thor is blasting him out of his hammer. Verily, I blame thee not for valiantly struggling to protect thy mistress, says Thor. After all, t'was another stranger, Thanos, who recently left thy world in ruins. And he blasts him with a arc. Come out of the rock guy's face. And Thor's hitting him back with a hammer. Still, the demands of the moment outweigh her desire to avoid the questions of Thor. So must ye fall to the power and might of the righteous. And he takes his hammer, smacks the rock guy right in the middle of the head. Rock guy falls apart in a big old pile of rubble with a brackack cracked. And lands with a thoom. And the recorder says, conclusion, let my previous opinion be recorded as fact. And uh, Thor flies down, sees uh, the Fire Lord there, and says, Fire Lord, my friend and ally, the seers of the universe have sent me to help, says Fire Lord. Tis an offer I'll gladly accept, Cosmic One, 
for Thanos hath taken control of the illumination stone, an event which can have no greater consequences, Firelord. And a voice uh, comes from behind, and we see that it's this, uh, looks like a um, woman dressed in mummy wrapping, and it's all green, and she's all pale, glowing yellow eyes. And interestingly enough, she has this sort of Loki horns coming up out of her face. Looks kind of a cross between Loki horns and an insect's antenna, I think is kind of the what they're going for here. And Thor notices her and says, Art thou the Millennium Monarch? I am. The inhabitants of this world answer to me. Passing the vents dictate I now answer to you. Fear not, woman, for tis only information Thor requires. Observation. You are said to have knowledge of all that transpires on this world. And Firelord pipes in. We know a tragedy of cosmic proportion is in the offing. So it is, she says. I beseech thee, says Thor. Tell us how we might avert it. I know not if such a thing is possible. Thanos, who seeks control of the final death, has very nearly found it, thanks to his acquisition of the Illumination Stone. My tale begins long ago, before time's measure. Back when life was little more than a notion to most of the universe, there was Chachoth. Chachoth. It's X apostrophe H-O-S-S. So it's Chachoth. A wizard of an unequaled skill. He can see tomorrow as easily as I now see you. By virtue of that, he knew the designate would some day emerge from the basket of life. And they show this uh, wizard dude, and he's just uh, vaguely humanoid. He's got these big old spiked trailing things on his arms. He's got no eyes or nose, but he has kind of a humanoid-shaped head with just a mouth and a chin, basically. And he's looking into this fire, and there's a very humanoid-looking uh, female-type uh, character in the fire. She is Tarine, and she will one day change the landscape of all we know, gathering all that's diverse into one single unified force. Chos knew Tarine's followers to be would need the means to find her. With the fires of creation, he brought forth the items which became known as the Illumination Stone, the map of all ending in the Chalice of Ruins. Chos's motives were pure, the results disastrous. From the mists of evil, his enemies came to take possession of the items. Before succumbing, Chos dispatched his talismans to places unknown, and these enemies are like these big old crow bird things, but they've got uh, like lizard tails and yeah, kind of humanoid type legs. But not before the attackers could corrupt them with the taint of darkness. It doesn't really explain what that means, but <laughs> we should see the uh, sorcerer kind of casting a spell and the uh, things are being flown off elsewhere. Throughout all time, many have tried to collect Chos's creations, but were never able to do so. Until now, until Thanos. Sayest thou that all is lost? asks Thor. As the items are corrupted, yes. While they were intended to help unite the followers of the designate, they will serve now to identify and mutate her power for evil. I would journey now to intercept Thanos, says Thor, but we know not where he has gone. Correction, says Recorder. As it is my task to chronicle significant events, I attached a microtrack unit to Mangog. Assumption, he will be at Thanos' side. Take up the pursuit with great haste, 
Our time is short. And the mysterious uh, Millennium Monarch woman disappears. And Thor starts doing the uh, Ajax White Tornado thing with his hammer, whipping it around. Then let the battle be joined. To my side, intrepid brethren. And they go taking off into space. So we got you know, the recorder and Fire Lord and Thor. Got a full page spread of them going uh, flying off. For if Thanos and Mangar are going to fall this day, it would seem only we possess the might to see it done. Observation. I have isolated the signal of my tracking unit. Lead the way, recorder, says Fire Lord. Lives beyond calculation cry out for our protection, and we must fail them not. And they go flying off. And we then cut to a scene of uh, Odin, and he is talking to Orakel. Remember Orakel, who had the, uh, the chalice ripped out of his chest a few uh, issues ago? Once more your son trails Thanos by a great margin, Odin. Thanos, by the thousand threats of Ragnarok, the mere mention of his name doth enrage me, Orakel. His very existence is a front to Asgard entire. If Tarakis' poisons had not weakened me so, I would take up the chase as well. Know thee well that Thanos and Mangog are close to the designate. Time is charged by any method grows short. I share thy fear, Oracle, but should bravest Balder succeed in his task in Svartalfheim, there might still exist a glimmer of hope. And we cut to Svartalfheim and sort of woods that uh, you know he was sent to and we see this big demon creature and he's got it's like a big furry body kind of like a I don't know what he'd call it, like a big yeti or something but he's got these weird spike things growing out of his head and his weird bandage wrapped around his head so I'm really not sure what he's supposed to be it's some kind of monster oh think now of those ye love as guardian you shan't see them again and he's sharpening an axe on a grindstone. And we can see that he has uh, Balder is chained up and uh, tied up to uh, some kind of a, looks like a, a rack. For Yager film, the devourer of men is hungry. Harm me in any way, and thou shalt succeed only in ensuring thine own end, Yager film. Bah, thou thinkest me fearful of bloated Odin's vengeance? Tis not Odin I warn thee of but a far greater threat. Bah! Riddles and games me not, Yagerfelm. If thy life matters to thee, thou must free me anon. Wouldn't thou prefer to be cooked over an open flame or boiled? T'was Odin who sent me here. Tis he who requires the aid. Help Odin? Verily thy sense of humor is entertaining indeed. It is almost a shame to slay thee. It looks like he's getting ready to chop off Baldur's head with his axe. Grant, grant Odin his wish. Forge what he asks, and the Omnipotent One shall grant thee any boon thou dost desire. Anything? Anything at all? Hmm. And we shift scenes to yet another planet. And uh, we'll just read the captions here, but it's a kind of very futuristic city. And there's all these people in white armor with white hair. And they're all running away from uh, a city that looks like it's being attacked and, and buildings collapsing and all that kind of thing. Across the greatest gulf of space, beyond the farthest of stars, hidden in a cluster of worlds and nebulas, is a world unlike any other. This is the nucleus of hope. Here dreams are forged. 
except for today. The unthinkable has occurred. For the first time ever, they are discovered. Tranquility and peace swept forever away by terror. And we get a double-page spread here, and we see that it is Mangog and Thanos. They've arrived on this planet, and Mangog is just smashing through all these uh, people like nothing. Thanos is just kind of glowing and crackling by his side. So Thanos may not actually be there. He just may be like a projection or something. The designate is near, says Thanos. Give her to me, or you will exist as nothing more than memories. Bargain not, Thanos. Give the word and Mangog will gladly tear them all limb from limb. And the people on the ground are like, Compliance is impossible. The designate is never to be identified. Even we do not know which among us is the one. Sadly, I haven't the time for large-scale violence, says Thanos. The Illumination Stone will tell me what you won't. And he pulls out the Illumination Stone. And it's a sort of diamond-looking thing. And it's covered in crosses like on all the sides it's glowing yellow let its power bend to my will and thanos holds it up and it's glowing and a big ray shoots out of it let it scour the entire planet every city every town every hamlet and shadow therein until yes there you are and we see the the planet from a distance and it looks like the whole planet is glowing and uh, we get a uh, you know, voiceover from the recorder here. Observation. I cannot explain this. According to my sensors, Mangog should be here, yet there is no planet. It is undoubtedly the trickery of Thanos which bedevils us, says Thor. No, my friend, says Firelord. My cosmic senses, able to detect a speck of dust in motion a million light years away, reveal something different. The world of the Designate is a special place. Beings not born there are meant never to see it. But to one such as I, who was remade by mighty Galactus to scout worlds, those even hidden by magic and science can be revealed. And he, he bumps his fire barbells together, and the world stands revealed. So the three of them go flying down through the atmosphere. Come, let us hasten to the surface before Thanos succeeds. Observation, it no longer matters. And they are flying over, and Thor is like, by my father's life. And they see that uh, the city, big city is destroyed, a bunch of dead bodies laying around. Thanos hath done his unthinkable work. Fire Lord, use thy senses to locate Thanos and Mangog. They all land on the planet here, and the recorder says, Statement, my sensors have discovered the tracker. It is here, shed like an insignificant trinket. And he's grabbed the tracker, and it looks like a padlock. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it actually is what it looks like. I have reached out as you asked. Not only has Thanos left, but every living being here breathes no more. I say thee nay, shouts Thor. Thanos hath transgressed every line civility requires. Know thee well that I'll exhaust every measure unto my dying breath that the scourge might be vanquished. So swears the god of thunder. So swears Thor. And we get a next issue blurb. Continue next issue and a tale that will rock your very senses. Be there. And that is Thor Volume 2, number 23. And we will be talking about that right after this. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo 
and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Scroll War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we're back. Thank you very much, Stephen and Andy. And all of you should check out Fantastic Cast. It is a great show. But I, I imagine most of you know that already. <laughs> anyway, so we're back and uh, going to talk about the issue a little bit. So first of all, you know, it's a pretty straightforward romp. It's not really you know, very complicated in what all is going on. We get Fire Lord showing up for no apparent reason. I don't know if they summoned him or he's just around or whatever. He's uh, just he's looking for Thor because he knows that something's up. Uh, the the double barbell thing doesn't really work for me, I have to say. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Again, it looks like he had an extreme 90s sort of remake. And so I, I understand that the original design of Fire Lord is sort of this John Buscema design and... It, it is kind of dated now. I, I kind of get that. But I can't say that I really care for this extreme makeover that much more. I would think Fire Lord, I mean, you know, maybe they were just trying to make him not look as much like Firestorm or I, I don't know. But yeah, I don't think it looks as good. And I and I hate the barbell thing because that's what they look like. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't look like anything else but two barbells in his hand. <laughs> so yeah, so as far as that goes... Um, the art overall is a little bit weak. Uh, there's not a lot of background stuff. There's you know, What there is is really sketchy. I continue to enjoy the way that uh, J.R. Jr. is drawing the Mangog. He's not drawing him like uh, Busema did with a really small head and more human proportions. He still has the great big Kirby head. Not quite as big as Kirby did it, um, but occasionally it, it is that way. It's It's inconsistent, but you know, I come to expect that kind of from comics, really. But I do like the way that Mangog is is portrayed rather than some of the ways he was portrayed earlier. Thanos just doesn't really do much. I mean, he's just there and he pulls out the jewel and finds the designate or whatever. But uh, as far as it goes, you know, it's fine. I don't like the design of uh, of Yager film, this Devourer of Men. Uh, it's just kind of an ugly design, though. It is different, I have to say. It's not like we have seen anything quite like him before. We'll see how consistent J.R. Jr. can keep him. He does look very Norsey as far as, you know, he is the sort of creature that you would find in a 70s Thor comic. Grotesque character. It's, it's a monstrous being rather than a godlike being. And... Um, you know, of course, Balder is portrayed very well. Uh, I thought that Orakella died at the end of his last appearance when Thanos took the chalice out of his chest, but I guess I was mistaken. We still have Orakel to kick around some. And, uh, you know, I would think that uh, how long is it going to take for the poison to work out of Odin's system? We're really not sure of how much time has passed here. So, I mean, if the 
you know, poison takes quite a while to, to, to leave Odin, then you know, maybe it might be a while before he's at full strength again. But it seems to me that, that significant amounts of time are passing. So so who knows? Anyhow, the uh, you know the origin of you know the designate doesn't really tell us that much, but I, I guess the wizard is cool, I guess, sorta. <laughs> um, but I would think, you know, if he's going to create these uh, items, you know, the stone and the map and the, and the chalice, why, how do the enemies know that he's doing that? And how would they know that these things are valuable? Because it makes it look like he just summoned those things up and then all of a sudden his enemies were upon him. I mean, that's exactly what it looks like from the illustration. So that's not really explained. So as a result, it's kind of weak. But you know, hey, I mean, they, I know they have to come up with something. It just, it, couldn't they have come up with something better? I also, I really feel sorry for the Rock Guardian because, you know, all he was doing was his job. <laughs> and then Thor comes and, uh, you know, destroys him. So I, I like to think that the Rock guy just has a bad headache and, you know, can reform himself or whatever. I, mean, you, I, I kind of wonder why he didn't die when Thanos came through. Or maybe he did, and maybe, and maybe I'm right. Maybe he has the ability to regenerate himself. Anyway, yeah, I do kind of feel bad for him because really, he was only doing what he was designed to do. All right, so that's about it. Hey, thanks again, folks, for listening. I really do appreciate it. And of course, uh, if you want to contact the show, please feel free to do so. Now that I'm back, I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit more action going on here in the uh, in the Facebook group. And, uh, and of course, uh, feel free to send in your emails. Do read all of your emails out on the air. And with that, we are back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.